Hello everyone and welcome to Are You Freaking Serious? Well, there's an old axiom in sports and that is don't let the other team hang around long enough because strange things can happen at the end. Now, what does that mean for you non-sports enthusiasts or you folks from around the world who listened to what I just said and kind of went right over your head and you blinked and what? What did he say? Okay. Think about this. Let's say that you're a team that is, well, you're a dominant. You're a soccer team. That's a world sport, right? Worldwide football. Not the not the pigskin NFL type, but the worldwide football that everybody knows and played from every place from Sri Lanka to London. So you've got a team that's a dominant team, and they're playing against a kind of a, a, you know, a team that's supposed to lose by three, four, five goals. But, geez, Strange things are happening in this game. By the time you're getting to the third quarter, the game is still tied. It's close. And you've allowed the underdog team to hang around. And by allowing them to hang around, something strange might happen at the end. A a fall, a block, a check, a, 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 a something in the eye of the goalie, anything. And all of a sudden, the other team can win the game. So never let any other team, the underdog, hang around long enough. Now this brings to me to what I want to talk about today because we hear about the green movement. And the green movement is really, I think they're the underdog movement. A lot of people think just the opposite. They think that they're the way of the world and the way it's going to be. But what you look at around the world and you look at such things as wind power and solar power and things like that, where a lot of people are moving in that direction, a lot of countries like Germany have tried a lot of this stuff. And it is economically unfeasible. It's not a lot of money in it. There's not a lot of money to be made, at least immediately. Maybe in the distant future, and maybe that's what the green people talk about. In the future, that's what we've got to do. We've got to look in the future. But there's the opposition. There's the hydrocarbon group that doesn't look into the future. Oh, yeah, they do, but they look at it and they go, you know, they're still driving a billion cars on this planet. Now, we know that we just went through a a panic-driven destruction of demand for crude over the last year and a half. And so that has made different U.S. shale producers operate in a different way. You see, there's both the public and there's the private. And that's what I want to focus on. Because the public, they've got, well, they've got people to uh, answer to. They've got stockholders that they have to answer to. And when you take a look at what occurred over this past year, when OPEC Plus cut an unprecedented 7.7 million barrels per day from its combined production. Well, and in addition to that, some non-OPEC producers also stepped in and did the same thing. Well, you would have thought by cutting that demand, excuse me, cutting that supply, that would have done the trick and make prices move up dramatically. Well, that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, what we saw was a situation where for the last year, last year and a half, we've seen the United States producers hanging on with their by their thumbnails. You know, the shareholders in a public company, they expect dividends. They expect uh, income. They expect money to come forward. 
And if you're a large oil producer, if you're a Pioneer Natural Resources or a Devon Energy or even a Continental Resources, you've got shareholders who are looking for performance. That's right, performance. Not to just burn cash and move through it. The last time we were talking about burning cash was with the dot-com companies. I remember that when the peak of the dot-com was when, I think it was Business Week came out and said, the reality of burning cash. And that was the peak of the market for the dot-com. Everything was downhill from there. Well, this past year, we've been watching uh, a burning of cash by these big, large producers. And they did it to boost production so that the United States could become the largest oil producer in the world. That's wonderful for a president like Donald Trump to proclaim it. But it doesn't make sense for shareholders who are looking for a return on equity. Okay, so the dividends didn't come in the size that the shareholders expected. And so all of a sudden, people were, may I say this, a little pissed off. That's right. And also, on top of that, you're seeing this transition narrative, this energy transition narrative, all of a sudden, it's all of a sudden becoming unsafe to make an oil bet. It's a changing energy world. But you say something, the public shareholder, the public share drillers, really only had one option. They had to start to deliver. That's right. And they have been doing it for the last several months. They have been delivering a boosted dividend. They also put in some variable distributions, variable distributions, and of course the age-old share buy- buybacks to keep the shareholders on board. And also what they've been trying to do is reduce their debt load. That's a major cause of concern for the company, but more importantly for the investors. Okay, now the public shale drillers, well... They have been seeing this disappointment for a long time, and now all of a sudden, with prices having jumped up, the effect of the cutback in production by the OPEC and OPEC Plus and even the U.S. shale drillers, well, all of a sudden now, they're going to have to start to move. They're going to have to start to take some action and spend some money. Why? Because the inventory of the drilled but uncompleted wells are shrinking. Yes, that's right. Their wells are starting to shrink, the amount of uncompleted wells. They need it. Why? Because demand, as we've watched COVID subside, even though it's starting to accelerate again, we've watched a return of demand. And so now to bring those wells back online or online, they've got to start spending money to keep their output even at current levels. Okay, Those are the public guys. They've got to start to accommodate the shareholders and they've got to look at the marketplace because you see at $50 a U.S. barrel, some of them are starting to make money. But when we get up to $70 where we are right now, above that $50, $20 above that $50 level, shale oil is definitely profitable. And if you're not in the game then you are in deep doo-doo. And you're saying, are you freaking serious? I got to get in this game. Start drilling. Start spending money. And you got to keep your fingers crossed that this thing is going to continue. Now, what about the private drillers? 
What about the guys who, the smaller companies, okay, that don't have shareholders to answer to? Their only concern is what? It's the market. If there's enough demand to push prices to a profitable level, well, then these companies can drill and pump and go crazy. And right now, that demand looks pretty rosy. We're talking about $70 a barrel, $20 above their break-even level. And so what do they look for? Well, since they are about half of the expected increase in U.S. crude oil production, and that, by the way, production is going to be up about 20% uh, from the last year, uh, we're talking about uh, a pretty significant number. And so what we look at is this whole idea of jumping in there and starting to get back in the game is significant. Now, here's the question. Let's circle back to where we started. As green starts to become more and more dominant, as Biden, as AOC, as some of these others, not just in the United States, but from around the world, start putting taxes, start putting restrictions, start putting all these different things on the energy companies, then all of a sudden it could be a very different ballgame. But from an investment standpoint, my thinking is at this particular time, it's not a bad opportunity because coming out of the shadows are the oil companies. And looking at those public drillers, I think it might be a good opportunity to make a play here. And if you do, well, then you've got enough to pay for my subscription rate. Oh, wait a minute. It's free. Are you freaking serious? Yes, it's free. And that's why you should be telling others about it. I think the U.S. shale industry is ready to go. And I mean on all guns. They are looking at the world and they think that there's a short term and hopefully a little longer term opportunity as they move into 2022. Why not you take advantage of the same thing? And when you score a good win, don't stay long at the well. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying this is something that's going to occur and stay in tune. But keep, keep alert. Keep a wary eye. Watch Washington. Watch Biden. We never know what he's going to do. But then we watch OPEC. Remember when President Biden asked Saudi Arabia, you know, our ally, could you cut production so that we could get price or could you increase production so we could get prices down? Well, maybe he was going to the wrong guys. Maybe he should have been turning, instead of to the Middle Eastern people, maybe he should have been turning for a conversation with the oil folks here in the good old U.S. of A. But that might be a anathema to this guy. I don't know. But once again, take a look. These private shale oil drillers look like they could be a very, very interesting play here. Pioneer, Devon, and Continental. And then maybe, well, when you get that exciting day, when things jump up dramatically, you might say, are you freaking serious? Thank you, Mr. T. Until next time, I'm Bill Tatro.